And that is, because I truly believe, one thing Thane was saying to me last year when we arrived, Thane had been telling me for weeks, he said, uh, he said Dr. Shuttler, we're really praying for something special that day. We're really praying. And I truly believe that last year when I got to speak to your friend Dave, it was one of the easiest to give the gospel that I can ever remember my 40 years of ministry. It was just so easy to give the gospel. I'm going to tell you why. Because y'all were praying. So let me throw in another little thing for this week. I, it may be the most important thing of this week. Saturday morning men's prayer breakfast for, this, for the first responder. Let me encourage you to be here, lift that up, and uh, Marilee and I will be praying next Sunday for your first responder Sunday. And because uh, it, it, I think the Lord could just use it in a mighty way. However, let me ask again, you don't have to stand because you already stood to get your great book. How many of you are fathers here? Raise your hand. Happy Father's Day to all of you. How many of you are grandpas? Your grandpa, we got some grandpas out there. I look out there and see Tom. Tom was my roommate in college, and Tom's a grandpa now. That's just amazing. Amen, amen. Never, uh, I guess, I, I, I was his room leader, so he kind of acted like a grandkid in my, class, in my room. No, no, Tom was a good friend, a real buddy, stayed really close to me, and and I, in a time I needed some encouragement, Tom was, uh, was there, and I praise the Lord for that. However, I'm a father, and I'm going to be a grandfather real soon, but in order to be a father, you have to have a mother. And I'm really glad to have my wife with me. She was not here last time, but I told her all about the service. This is Mary Lee. Mary Lee and I have been married for 38 years, and uh, 30, coming on 39, uh, and the Lord has blessed. We have three sons. All of them have a heart for the Lord. I believe they're all in ministry today, serving the Lord. We're thankful for that. My oldest is an evangelist. My youngest lives with, or my middle one lives with us and works at Lancaster Baptist Church, West Coast Baptist College. And my youngest lives in Castle Rock. And um, his father-in-law has pancreatic cancer. And um, unless outside of a miracle, may not live that long, this may be their last Father's Day. So Drew and Noel are not with us today because they're with them in Castle Rock. We're going to go see them again. We were, we've been with them this weekend. Uh, Drew has just started a Christian film uh, company. We're really excited about the things that the Lord's doing in his life. So I'm thankful on Father's Day. Let me tell you something else. I had the privilege to lead my father to the Lord. 25 years after I got saved, I got to lead my dad to the Lord on a memorial uh, weekend up in Detroit in 1995. We had prayed for dad for 25 years to get saved. And I was up there doing a wedding, staying with my dad, and had the opportunity after 25 years for my dad to trust the Lord. So that's maybe not the way dads are supposed to uh, lead their children to the Lord, but it doesn't always work that way. And I came from a broken home in a very kind of an abusive family situation. But you know what? I never got bitter at my dad, and I'm thankful for my father. My father's in heaven. That's a pretty cool thing. My dad is in heaven today because of what Christ has done. Hey, by the way, I don't know what kind of family background you came from. And the dads that are here, maybe you didn't have a real great role model as a father. I didn't. 
but I never got bitter at my dad. I've always been thankful for the father I had. I think he taught me how to work, and I pray that I thank for the Lord that he provided for us, and I got to lead him to the Lord. So listen, whatever family background you got today, you ought to be thankful for your father, and you ought to be thankful especially for your heavenly father. We can all say Amen to that. Praise God for that as well. Well, you've been given a lot of things today, so I want to sell something, okay? So today, I put together a Father's Day package, all right? So here's for $30. I counted it up on the back of the books and the CDs. It's $55 worth of materials for $30. Great book. For uh, marriage couples, doesn't matter if you just are, uh, are newlyweds or if you've been married uh, as long as Marilee and I have. A great little book entitled, Are We There Yet? Each chapter is really practical. It is a great read for a couple to read together, Are We There Yet? The newest book my pastor, Pastor Paul Chappell, has just put out is entitled Outsiders. It is a story of 15 men that totally trusted in the Lord, every one of them did not believe that this life was all there was. They stepped out to be, they were, they stepped out of their world, out of their comfort zone to stand for the Lord Jesus Christ, believing that their faith in the Lord was the most important thing. Many of them, I'm not going to mention any of their names, some of you, you've heard their names before, you have 15 biographies in this little book. But these 15 men have shaped the faith that we have today uh, in the last 500 years. These are 15 men that we are actually benefits, uh, beneficiaries of today in our, in our country, in our lives because of these men. It's called Outsiders, uh, normally about $16, but I'm going to sell all three of these things, and this is our newest CD, and if you don't have West Coast music, you're really missing out. We got the best music in the world. For these three things, we'll sell them for $30, okay, Marilee, for a Father's Day package, and anyone can get that uh, as well. Take your Bibles and turn to an incredible Father's Day text, Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. Anyone know where we're headed to? Uh, matter of fact, we could sing the song, Father Abraham. Okay, but we won't do that. But we're going to look at Abraham offering Isaac. Now, some of you are already thinking like, wow, Brother Shetler, you're going to speak on Father's Day about a father who is willing to sacrifice his son and kill him? Yeah. Have you ever wanted to kill your kids before? Okay. So, uh, <laughs> so I thought it was very appropriate, actually. This is an incredible passage. I've entitled the message. These are just some things in the last three, four days that I've been praying for. That what, Lord, what would you have me give for Father's Day? I've entitled it Principles on Parenting. And I, and I chose this passage. I thought it was a very interesting passage for Father's Day. Father Abraham with his son Isaac. And we're going to look at that. By the way, I do want to say one other thing. I praise the Lord for your pastor and I praise the Lord for this church, and I praise the Lord for the three children that God has blessed the Mondays with. And you know what? All the glory goes to God for the heart of your three children, and I mean that. And, you, and, and, and folks, there's a lot of pastors that don't have children with the heart for God as the Mondays do. And praise the Lord for all three of those kids 
and we're thankful for that. But I also give all the glory to God for your three children, but praise the Lord for the way you raised and trained them. And I think we're going to say some things today, Pastor, that you did with your children as well. We praise God for that. Genesis chapter 22. Oh, let's do something. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word. We're just going to read verse 1 and 2. We're going to look a little bit more into the chapter, but we're just going to look at verse 1 and 2 to begin with, have a word of prayer, and I'm going to give you some principles on parenting. Today, I think every dad, I think every mom can use these, be blessed by them. There may be some single parents in here today, but just some things. These are not all inclusive of all principles for parenting. Matter of fact, I just got, I have five today. Uh, there, you could have 50, um, but these five come out of this passage, and I think we'll just walk through it today on Father's Day, and it'll be a real blessing to you. Let's look with me, Genesis chapter 22, verse 1 and 2. And it came to pass, after these things, that God did tempt, I think it's very legitimate to say there, test, did test, tempt Abraham, and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, behold, here I am. And he, God, said, take now thy Son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering. Imagine, everyone, just stop for a minute, dads. God came to Abraham and said, Abraham, offer your son as a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Don't believe man has ever been asked a greater task than what God tested Abraham with in this. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, the picture is going to be so obvious that this is a picture of you giving your son, Jesus Christ, And Father, we will get to that picture. But Lord, I ask and pray that the Holy Spirit of God would help every mother, every father, every grandparent here today with some principles that could help them greatly in their parenting. Father, we take a moment and we're thankful for the men of God in this auditorium that are called Dad that are called Father. And Father, we are thankful for every one of them, what they represent, and the children that you have blessed them with. Father, I know there's not a dad in here that would not give their lives for their children. What an interesting passage that God asked Abraham to take the life of the child. Oh, How Abraham would have been willing to die for his son Isaac. But that wasn't what was asked. Father, today I pray that you'll challenge the fathers in here and the mothers in these areas. They're going to take steps of faith today in order to do what what I think your scriptures teach here. And then, Father, just before we close in prayer, Father, we just want to take a moment and we want to so thank you that we can call you Abba Father. 
that we can call you our Father. Who knows what is represented in here in way of family lives? Who knows how, where we've all been in our life? But Father, we are thankful because of Jesus Christ that we got into the family because of what Christ did and we can say, Abba, Father, to the God of creation today. So Father, on this Father's Day, no matter what's happened to us, humanly speaking, on this earth with maybe our earthly father, thank you that we can call you Abba, Father. Lord, be with the passage today. May it speak to hearts. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. And God's children said, you may be seated. Let me share this with you first of all. We do need to understand this. This isn't going to necessarily be my message, but this may be one of the most important things everyone in here is going to hear. And there may be somebody in here today that needs to hear this more than anything else. Let me tell you something about God. God is not the father of mankind. He is not the father of mankind. He is the creator of all mankind. If you're a human soul, he created you in his image. But know this, he is only the father to those that have received his son. John chapter 1, verse 12 says this, But as many as received him, that would be Jesus, to them gave he power to become the son of God, even to them that believe on his name. The only way that God gets to be your father is that you receive his son. His son died on a cross and was sacrificed, was offered, like Abraham was, was asked to offer his son, which he never ended up doing, by the way. We'll talk about that. God provided a ram. God the Father, God in heaven, gave his only son so that you could get into his family. Now, if you're here today and you've called God Father, oh yeah, God is everyone's father. He's the Father God. No, he is not. He is only the Abba, Father, to those that have received his Son. So if you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, God is your creator. God loves you. God wants a relationship with you. But you are not in the family of God until you receive his Son. Does that make sense? Everyone with me on that? That is very, very important as uh, we talk about today about parenting, we need to make sure that we know that God is our Father and that we know that because of Jesus Christ. All right, so here we go. Start at chapter 22, verse number one. And it came to pass, after these things, very quickly, it is probably important. So Abraham is about 115, 120 years old when this, this story that we're gonna read happens. 120 years old. His, his wife would be a hundred, she had, or, or over, and she had Isaac when she was 90 years old. She's over a hundred now. I believe Isaac's probably between 15 and 20 years of age. By the way, that's going to be important in just a moment. But he's, but he's probably a, a, a strong young teenage, late teenager uh, in this passage of Scripture. 
And it came to pass after these things. What things are these? Well, Abraham was supposed to have a seed that all the world was going to be blessed by. Okay? But he's 100 years old. He doesn't have any children yet. So they concocted this idea um, that Sarah said, hey, listen, I'm 90. I'm never going to have children. She didn't believe by faith. She was living by reason, logic, and said, hey, listen, let me give you my handmaid. And I, let me give you my handmaid, Hagar, and take Hagar and have a child, and that will be how the seed will be produced that God's going to bless. Well, Abraham does it, and they're not living by faith here. They're living by their own reason, their own emotion. They put the whole thing together. Abraham has a child with Hagar. That child's name, Ishmael. And let me tell you something, folks. We have trouble in the Middle East still today because Abraham took Hagar, had a child, and gets Ishmael, and all of our Arab nations are out of Ishmael's descendants. And the strife between Ishmael and Isaac is great, but notice this. It's an amazing statement in verse number 2. And we'll get to it a little later. But And he said, that would be God, take thou thy son, thine, everyone together, what's the next word? Was Isaac Abraham's only son? Well, Brother Shelley, you just said he had a son through Hagar. I know, Ishmael. But the Bible says, take thou thy son, thine only son, Isaac. You say, yeah, Brother Shelley, I'm a little confused here. I mean, the Bible says it's his only son, but you just said that he had a son. Do you know that God, it is impossible to please God without faith? Isaac is the child of faith. Ishmael is the child of the flesh. Let me share this with you, friend. Whatever you do in your own effort, in your own works, God doesn't even recognize. The only thing that God recognizes is your steps of faith. So when he says, take thy son, thy only son, the only thing that he recognizes is the son of faith, not the son of what you tried to put together. I think that's a very sobering thought. Because when you do it in your own effort, God doesn't recognize it. you got to take a step of faith to say, God, I'm taking the step, but it is going to be of you. By the way, that's true of salvation. You don't get saved by what you do. God's not going to recognize, go to this church, I've been baptized, I live a good life. God doesn't recognize any of that. The only thing God recognizes is your step of faith to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's the only thing that he's going to recognize. So we see here something very important um, as we get to the after these things. A lot of things have happened. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt. He tested. He put a trial in Abraham's life and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Here's the trial, here's the test. Take thou thy son, thy only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee unto the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering. Wow, what a test. Let me give you the first principle I wrote down on this. Your children will be some of your biggest trials in your life. 
Your children will be some of the biggest trials you will ever have in your life. And if you're a mom and dad in here, that doesn't mean you don't love them. But your children will take you down roads of tests and trials that nothing in your life will. You know why? Because you love them so much. Because you care for them so much. Because you feel responsible. The greatest tests and trials that Marilee and Jim have ever had in our life are connected directly with our children. The greatest tests that we've ever had have not been in ministry. The greatest test of faith that Marilee and I have ever experienced has been through our children, our three boys. Now, our three boys have a heart for God. They're great kids. We have a special needs son. I'll talk about him in just a moment. But I just want you to know your children will be your greatest test in your life. Now, here's the thing that's interesting. Some of the tests that you will have with your children are ongoing. And they never end. And they're just constantly there. And you've tried through your prayers through your personality, and through your power, you have tried everything to change your child in a certain way. Maybe it's physical, maybe it's emotional, maybe it's spiritual. You have, so some of you are carrying burdens for your children. And when I start the message with saying, your children are the greatest trials and tests of your life, you go like, I can, oh man, yeah. The greatest burden I have in my life right now is my son, my daughter, the, what, what's happening in their life right now. And I, I can't make it go away. Well, I want to tell you something. This test was about Abraham, his relationship with God. Now, it's going to be directly connected with his son Isaac, but this is about Abraham and God. So let me tell you something about, and I'm not going to get into a lot of specifics, but let me tell you something about the tests and trials that Jim and Marilee have experienced with our three sons. What they have done, those tests and trials, isn't so much what's happened to Ben, Luke, and Drew, but what's happened to Jim and Marilee. In other words, first of all, do you believe God gave you the children you were supposed to have? Yeah, God gave you the children you were supposed to have. And you know what? You are the exact parent that your children need. But can I tell you this? They are the exact children that you need. I have to tell you when it's all said and done, I think I maybe have learned more from my children than I've taught my children. I heard a story once, fictitious story. I heard a story once about a guy who was dreaming one night. He was, he was sleeping in the middle of his dream. He sees a vision in the bedroom. It's the Lord. And the Lord comes to him and he says to him, tomorrow there will be a rock outside your door. Push it. And the Lord's gone. And the guy goes, what in the world was that? Man, was that the pizza I had tonight? What in the world was that? That was amazing. He wakes up the next morning, takes a shower, has his breakfast, goes outside, opens the door to go outside, and there is this huge boulder outside his door. Hey, Lord, that was you last night. 
Man, this thing's huge. Well, I guess if you put it there, you're going to give me the strength to move it. And so the guy goes over, and he starts pushing against this boulder. He starts pushing. He starts pushing. The thing doesn't move an inch. Lord, I'm pushing. I'm doing what you said. It's not moving. He pushes all the way to lunch. He goes in at lunch. Oh, man. Lord, what's the deal with the rock? Wow. Gets a little break, eats a little food, goes back out in the afternoon, pushes all day long. End of the day, he comes in. Oh, oh, Lord, I'm so sore. Oh, God, I pushed against your rock, God. It didn't move at all. He goes to bed. Next morning, he wakes up. Oh. He goes, takes a shower, opens the door. Oh, it's still there. He goes out. He pushes all day long. Days turn to weeks. This guy's been pushing against this thing for weeks. Weeks turn to a couple months. Finally, he's out there. He's been pushing against this rock for three months. Finally, one day he stops and says, this is stupid. God, it hasn't moved a quarter of an inch. Lord, this is the stupidest thing in the world. I quit. The Lord appears. Lord says, go back in the house. Yeah, go back in the house. Guy goes back in the house. Lord says, go in the bathroom. Guy goes in the bathroom. Lord says, look in the mirror. Guy looks in the mirror. Lord says, look at your neck. He doesn't have one. It's just muscle all the way down. Lord says, look at your arms. His arms are huge. Lord says, look at your legs. His legs are like tree stumps. Lord said, it wasn't about moving the rock. It's what the rock did to you. You're not the same person anymore. You've developed muscles you've never had before about something that never moved. I've been a parent now for 36 years. Can I share this with you? I don't know how much we've moved our kids, but our children have changed our lives. And I want to tell you something today, Dad. You might be sitting in Father's Day and you're a little frustrated about your children. Maybe you say, you know what? We've tried all this stuff. We've tried all this. Par- you're going to give me some more parenting principles. Well, can I tell you something? It doesn't work. Oh, it does work. Not only on your children, it works on you. Because, because of your children, you're not the same people you were before. God has fashioned you. And we know that all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them that are called according to his, anyone know? Purpose. The next verse is the key. For whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. I want to tell you something, Dad. You have exactly the children that you're supposed to have. Your children are exactly the ones that God knew you needed for you to rely on Him and for God to take your children to test your faith, to grow your faith, for you to develop muscles. I am telling you, the spiritual muscles that Marilee and I have have been exercised more by our children than any other thing. Listen to this verse. And it came to pass after these things 
that God put a rock in Abraham's life and said unto him, Abraham, and said, Behold, here am I. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there. Number one, children will be some of your biggest trials. Number two, offer your children to God. Pastor, you said I could say something about West Coast Baptist College. And you notice I haven't said anything about West Coast Baptist College because I'm going to talk about it right now. I was a pastor for 25 years. I was a youth pastor seven years before that. Six and a half years ago, I left something that I loved to do. I loved to pastor. And I think if you cut me, you see that I bleed pastor. My wife will tell you. And Marilee believes she was called to be a pastor's wife. And Marilee will tell you, Jim, you pastor. That's what you do. Six and a half years ago, I did something that I'm going to ask you guys to do something. Six and a half years ago, I stepped out of the pastorate, something that I love, something that was comfortable to me, something that I believed there was a measure of success in my life, in my ministry. And I stepped out of the pastorate to train the next generation of young people for Jesus Christ, that they would train laborers for the harvest. Because I believe we've got to see young people serving the Lord. But you know what, Pastor, I've learned? Do you know the three major reasons why young people don't come to West Coast Baptist College? Can I give you the three reasons why they don't come to Bible College? Miles. I ain't sending my kid to California. Money. Oh, Bible College costs too much, and what do they get when they're done with it? And three, mama. Money, miles, and mama, otherwise known as parents. Do you know? that I've talked to young people in the last three months that said, I'd like to go to Bible college, but my parents won't let me. I go, what in the world? What are you thinking, mom and dad? Listen, I stepped, out of, I stepped out of the pastorate, and I gave my life to train the next generation of, uh, of young people for the Lord Jesus Christ in the ministry. And some of you, you said, oh, we had a little baby dedication 18 years ago, and we dedicated our little baby, our little bambino to Jesus, and we dedicated our child. Well, let's see it, folks. You need to offer your child to God, and you need to trust God for your children because they're not your kids. Three things happen when you offer your children to God. Number one, it's an act of worship. God, you gave us this. Now, we're going to give this child back to you. It's an act of worship, and this is what this is all about. Abraham, I'm going to ask that you offer your child to God. I want you to give me your child. That was an act of worship. We're going to see that word. They're going to go up to the mountain to worship. The worship is the offering of the child. Mom and dad, would you worship your God by giving your God the very most precious thing in your life? Did you notice this? Whom thou, anyone pick up on it? Whom thou what? Lovest. Hey, I got one for you. That is the first time love is mentioned in the Bible. Genesis 22, verse 2. That's the first time love is mentioned in the Bible. And isn't it interesting what it's about? It's about something that was so dear to Abraham. Now you see, Brother Sean, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta stop. Why would God 
have him give up that which God provided. Because now you hear this. God gave you those children. Your children are a gift from God. But God wants you to give those children back to him. You will never be blessed by those children with you trying to hold on to them, with you trying to control their lives, with you trying to make all those decisions. You know what, moms and dads? you got to offer your children to God. And you got to say, you know what, God? This is an act of worship. Let me tell you number two what it is. It's an act of ownership. I think some of you struggle about whose children they are. They're not your children. They're God's children. The fruit of the womb is his reward. They're not your kids. They're God's children. It's an act of worship. It's an act of ownership. And I'm telling you what it is. It's an act of stewardship. When you offer your child back to God, you are stewarding that what God has given to you. That's why. You know what? Sometimes, sometimes your child won't understand. Hey, hey, where are you going, young lady? You are not going out of the house dressed like that. You come back in here and change. Oh, oh, mom, oh, dad, come on, I can wear. Uh, you know what? No, you're a steward of your child. And I'll tell you, the number one job you have as a steward is to protect your children from the world, the flesh, and the devil. Hey, we need to turn that off right now. Give me the remote. We need to turn that. I don't want, I don't, we're not watching that. The language, the, no, 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 we're not watching that. You are a steward of your home. God has given you this incredible gift called your child. And you are, it's an act of stewardship, ownership, and worship. You give that child back to God. And you allow the Lord to have that. Offer your children to God. Oh, I got to tell you something. Did you ever think about this? Brother Shepard, the number one job of parenting is protection. Yeah. And God is asking Abraham to kill his son, to offer him as a burnt offering. What kind of protection is that? This is the coolest thing. This is the coolest thing. Where are your children the safest? In, um, in our house? No. Where are your children the safest? Oh, when they got the safety belts done. No. When are your children the safest? Now think about this. God has just told Abraham to go offer him as a sacrifice. Is, is Isaac safe? Is Isaac safe? He's going to go be offered as a... Is Isaac safe, folks? He's absolutely safe, and I'm going to tell you why. He's in the center of the will of God. And there is no safer place for your children to be than in the center of the will of God. Well, if we gave our children to the Lord, he may take our children to Africa as a missionary. That would be so dangerous. Not if they're in the center of God's will. Matter of fact, it's much more dangerous in Fort Morgan than Africa if they're out of God's will. Do you understand this? When you offer your children to the Lord, you are protecting your kids. Because now it's not you humanly. I gotta do this. Oh, you gotta eat this. You gotta take care of this. You're saying, God, these are your children. And you've gotta protect them. My job is to make sure that they want the will of God and they stepped in the will of God. Hey, I just wanna tell you something. Your children will never be safer than when they're in the perfect will of God. And they're doing God's will wherever that may be, whatever that may be. 
Offer your children to God. Number three, God will guide you with your child day by day. Now, I love this. Look at verse, at the end of verse two. And he said, take now thy son, thy only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest. Take what's that. Don't get anything between you and me. There can't, not even your children. I want to stop here and tell you this. Do you know today that there's a lot of parents, their children more than they love God? Now, that's just true, folks. We live in a culture where they love their children more than they love God. I want to tell you this. For every one of you that are in here, that have your children here today, I, I, I praise you. On the, on the drive over here, I don't know what city it was in, on the drive over here, we saw all these little league kids out there. Sunday. Oh, mom and dad, what are you telling those kids? That sports is more important than God. And you know what? I think many times as parents, we try to live our life through our kids. And we're going to make our kid the best athlete. We're going to make our kid this. We're going to make our kid this because it's kind of more for us than really for anyone else. Hey, I want to tell you something. I'm thankful that you're here today, mom and dad, and I'm thankful that your children are here as well. That's a good thing. You give them, you let God take care of it. Okay, now look at, look at this last part. It's a little thing that you may miss, but I think it's huge in parenting. Whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering. Now look at this. Upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Okay, so here's what he could have done. Abraham says, okay, uh, I'll do this, God. Where, where do you want me to go? I want you to go to the range of mountains called Moriah, which is in Jerusalem. By the way, you do realize that where Abraham was willing to offer Isaac is where Jesus Christ died, on the same mountain, okay? This is really cool. So, so they go to a, the range of mountains called Moriah, which is around Jerusalem. And God says, I will show you the exact mountain where you need to offer him up. Now, this is where it gets really important, moms and dads. Okay, I'll offer my kids to the Lord. Lord, they're yours. Worship, ownership, stewardship, they're yours. Now, it's a day-by-day thing. It isn't like one time you come in church, offer your kids to the Lord, and then it's all taken care of. It's a day-by-day experience. What did he say to Abraham? I love this little point. He says, Abraham, get to Moriah, and then I'll show you which mountain to go on Moriah. Now, if you have a little, a little one, if you got a little babe or a little infant, some of you may be looking, maybe they have some health difficulties right now, some health problems. Our middle son was born with one eye. Our middle son was born with a muscle deficiency. And our, our middle son was born mentally challenged in many areas. He's high functioning, but he's a definite special needs child. Well, when he's born... You've got one-eyed child. Their doctors are telling you you got all these birth defects and all these things. What does your mind do? You start thinking of this kid when he's 16 years old. You start thinking, will he ever get married? What's going to happen? What does this mean to us? And you start living the whole life, don't you? You start looking way down the road. And you know what? We had a neighbor that came over. Her name was Judy. After she heard about our child being born, Luke being born, special needs, and she said, what are you thinking about, Pastor? And I said, well, and I start crying, and I start saying, I, 
What's he going to be like when he's a teenager with one eye? What's this going to do? And Judy said to me, in the street in our neighborhood, she said, and I'm her pastor. She said, Pastor, stop it. Stop trying to go way down the road with your child. Just take day by day. Mom and dad, God will give you direction with your children step by step. You don't need to know everything right now. You just need to get to Moriah with your kids. And then God will show you what mountain to go to with your children. Some of you are trying to be parenting your kids 10 years before you need to be. You just follow the step you're supposed to. Isn't that a good point? I love that point. Because he said, you get to Moriah, and when you get to Moriah, I'll show you what mountain you're supposed to be on. Number four. Number four. Oh, you know, I had a really good illustration with that. Number three. Take your Bibles. Real quickly, go to Psalm 127. Psalm 127. L- listen to this. Some of you will really enjoy this. Psalm 127, verse 1. I'll start reading it. You just get there. Psalm 127, verse 1. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain to build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. Hey, it's vain for you to rise up early and to sit up late to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. You guys are so whacked out about being parents. God will help you. They're his children. Look at verse 3. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. Hey, they're his children. He's going to help you. He'll show you day by day what you need to do. But this is what I wanted you to see. I think this is the greatest metaphor of children in the Bible, the greatest word picture of children in the Bible. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man. So, come on, dads, so are children of the youth. Happy is the father, the man, that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. What a great picture of your children. Matter of fact, if you guys leave here with anything today, if every dad here would leave here looking at their children as arrows... Your child is an arrow that you are to take. And how do you, what any archer will tell you, the principles of archery. Number one, stance. Have a good foundation. Dads, you better get your kids in church. You better be reading the Word of God to them every day. You better give your children a good foundation. And you better be standing on a good foundation. Number two, the knocking of the arrow. You take the arrow and you place it in the right place. You need to make sure you place your children in the right places. You put your children in the wrong place, that arrow ain't going to end up in the right place. you got to knock that arrow, and you put that arrow. Then the third one, you draw the bow. You draw that string. That takes strength. Man, let me tell you something. Parenting is not for weaklings. you got to be strong, Mom and Dad, because your child is being attacked by everything in the world. And if you don't know how to attack, if you're not strong enough to handle your child on social media, you're going you're to lose your kid to social media. You gotta be, I'm not saying you eliminate social media, but you got to be strong. you got to know what you're doing. you got to know what's going on in your kids' lives. you got to have a foundation. you got to put them in the right place. you got to draw the bow. And then here we go, Mom and Dad. You aim. You aim the arrow. And where you're supposed to be aiming that arrow is at the will of God. You take that arrow and you aim that child towards the will of God. And then you release. 
Now, the release is really interesting in archery. It isn't something, okay, I'm going to let go, I'm going to let go, I'm going to let No! The release, the, the arrow comes out of the fingers, and you don't even know it's gone. It's just natural. It's just release. Now, my, my wife has an uncle that is a national champion in Arizona as an archer. He's got three Robin Hoods. That's where you take, the, you take the arrow and drive it through the shaft of that arrow that's already in the bullseye. That's like more uncommon than a hole in one. He's got three of them. And he said this to me, I've never forgotten, his Uncle Terry. And Uncle Terry said this, he said, Jim, maybe the most important thing about the firing of the arrow is the follow through. And I'm going, once the arrow leaves, what does it matter? Grandparents, you better hear this one. What does it matter once the arrow leaves? Terry said, what you do after you release the arrow does two things. It can still, believe it or not, affect the direction of the arrow. Even after it's released, because if you were going this way or you were jerky in it and your follow-through is not smooth, the arrow will go off. But number two, it's imperative for the next arrow that you see what happens and the follow-through is all important to that. Now, I'm not saying that firstborn kids don't matter, okay? But I am going to tell you something. If you got more than one child, you should have learned something from the first one, amen? And there's a follow-through that follows through with that. Now, hear me, because this is important. Every one of you dads are an archer. And can I share this with you? We love moms. We celebrated their day. There's no question. I'm in the ministry today because of my mom and all of that. But I'm telling you this. There's not an arrow in here. There's not a child in here that doesn't want to be guided by their dad. There's not a child in here that doesn't want dad, show me where. I know they'll buck you a little bit. I know they'll argue with you. I know they'll fight with you a little bit. But I'm telling you, dads, your child does not want to be shot by mom. Your child wants to be directed and shot by dad. And fathers, start being the archers God made you to be. Get the foundation you're supposed to have. Put your children where they're supposed to be. Be strong enough as a man to be the dad and husband you're supposed to be. Aim it for God's will and release it right. And I'll tell you, there'll come a day that you'll be glad you did. And God will bless you. Okay, I know we got to get going. So we got just two more things really quickly. Number four, believe what God can do with your children. Now to me, this is the biggest point of the whole message. Look with me back at Genesis 22, verse 5. So they leave. As you're turning back to Genesis, let me continue reading. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him, Isaac and his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. God showed him. That's the mountain. That's where he needed to go. And Abraham said unto his young men, now listen to this, abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship. There he's at worship. But notice the end, and come again to you. Folks, this is what Abraham thought. Abraham thought that he would take his son Isaac, lay him on the altar, take the knife, kill him, burn it, 
and God would bring Isaac back to life. You say, that's a good story. Where do you get that? Hebrews chapter 11, verses 23 through 27. Hebrews 11, 23 through 27, says exactly what I just said. Said that in faith, Abraham offered Isaac, believing that God would rise Isaac back up again. He believed God's hand is on Isaac. God is going to use Isaac to continue my seed. So what Isaac thought, or what Abraham thought was going to happen was, he was going to kill Isaac, burn Isaac, and God was going to raise Isaac from the dead. According to Hebrews 11, that's what he thought. God didn't do that. God never allowed Abraham to touch Isaac. But that's what Abraham was thinking. Hebrews 11 confirms that. But here's what I want you to get. Abraham believed that Isaac was the one. It wasn't like, well, maybe God will give me another child after I kill Isaac. No. He believed Isaac was the one that was going to propagate and put the seed and all the blessing was going to come through Isaac. As I've studied the scriptures for 40 years, been in ministry, there's a word that keeps coming up with parenting. It's called the blessing. Have you ever heard of the blessing, the parental blessing, the father's blessing? We see it a lot in the Old Testament. Uh, Jacob did it with his boys. We see it constantly, the blessing. What is the blessing? Here's what I think. Jochebed and Amram took a little baby named Moses and put that and built a little, built a little a boat, a little ark, and put that little baby and then had the sister, Miriam, take the baby down to the Nile River and dedicated and put Moses in there. But I'm going to tell you something. She believed in that child. The most interesting thing about Moses, it says it in Exodus 2, and it says it in Hebrews 11. The most interesting thing about Moses is that the parents said that Moses was a goodly child. A goodly child. Look that word up. It actually means beautiful. That, there's, that, that the child is beautiful. Now let me tell you something. I don't think Moses looked any different than any other Israeli child, Israelite child. I don't think if you looked at it, Moses, go, wow, you just got like the most beautiful baby. I know. I thought the same thing. No, 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 no. Let me, let me tell you something. Moses didn't look any different than any other child. But can I tell you what I do believe? I believe that Jacobet knew God's hands on this little boy. I believe that Abraham knew, I believe Isaac is the one. Mom and dad, dads, and I think this even comes more from fathers and moms. Dads, would you bless your children? Yeah, oh, okay, I'll give them another $20. No, that isn't what they need. The kids are going right now like, no, no, that's a good, stay there, Brother Shetler. Stay, no, no, no. Okay, all right, I'll give them the pickup truck. I'll bless them. I'll give them the, you know what, we got a piece of property, and I'm going to get part of the inheritance, and that's going to be part of, I'll bless the kids. They're going to have a home. I'm going to take care. That is not what your children need. I'm going to tell you what your children need. They need for you, Dad, to believe in them. They need for you, Dad, to believe they're going to do something great. And i got to tell you, Abraham knew, Isaac, you're the child. I don't understand everything right now, but you are the one, and I believe that. Jacobed, 
I don't know how or what's going to happen. By the end of the day, she's taking care of her own son Moses and being paid for it. I mean, she knew, God, your hand is on this baby. God, your hand is on this young man. And you know what? I can't give my sons a lot of money. I'm in ministry, okay? I'm not going to give my kids a lot of property, and they're not getting a big checking account when I die. But I will tell you while I'm living, I believe in my boys. I believe God's going to use my boys. I believe that God has a purpose in making Luke the way that he did, in making Ben the way that he did, in making Drew the way that he did. Dads, there is nothing greater you'll ever do for your children than to believe God, you're going to use my son. You're going to use my daughter. God, I think you have a special plan for them. And that is what Abraham believed when he went up. God, your hands are on. I believe your hand is on Isaac, and you're going to use him mightily. I had one more point. The Lord will provide as you obey. When you're a parent, you think to yourself, Lord, how are you going to provide for my kids? Well, the name of this place, look at verse 14. You know the story. Abraham raises his knife to go down to kill his own son. And right when the knife is risen, God says, Abraham. I don't know why he had to say it twice, but he says it twice. Abraham. And Abraham stops. And God says, now I know that you fear me. And now I know that you trust me. You passed the test, Abraham. Look behind you. And when he looks behind, there is a ram caught in the thicket. By the way, aren't you glad he went to the right mountain? If he would have gone to the wrong mountain, he had. that's why you follow God day by day. He's up at the right mountain. He turns around, and there's a ram in the thickets. And he says, Abraham says, Jehovah, Yaira, the Lord has provided. Look at verse 14. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen, the Lord will provide. Moms and dads, you give your children to God, and you will find God provide for you. You will find, as you obey the word in the raising of your kids, you raise them and train them by the obedience of this book, and God will provide. God will provide you joy and blessings above anything you could have ever imagined. Now, obviously, this is a picture of what the father did with his son. Only difference is, God stopped Abraham. No, Abraham, Abraham! But God didn't stop himself when Jesus Christ died on that cross. When Christ said, Eli, Eli! By God, by God, why hast thou forsaken me? God the Father spared not his own son so that we could be his children. And I just want to tell you, you can't teach Genesis 22 and not teach what God did for us. But it is a great principle on parenting children. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. You know, I ended up not giving any of the stories I was going to tell about my family. But that's not what you needed. What you needed was the Word of God. And I just want to share this with you. How many today, how many dads are there here today that would say, honestly, before God, dads, I know 
that God gave us the children that we have, the child that I have, the children that we have. They've been a test. Whoa, that pushing on the rock thing, that was good, Brother Shetler. That is exactly what I feel like in parenting. Well, you know what? Those are the kids to build you like Jesus Christ. God gave you the exact family he wanted you to have so that you would trust and become more like Christ. How many of you, moms and dads together, would say, Brother Shetler, I absolutely believe that God gave us the children that we're supposed to have. Would you raise your hand? How many believe that? As stupid as a question as that is, you guys probably already can figure out where I'm headed. Thank you, babe. Put your hands down. I think that was every parent. I'm sure that was every parent. How could a parent not raise their hand to that? Then moms and dads, can I ask you something? Would you be willing, as an act of worship, of ownership and stewardship, to give your child back to God? Some of you love your children more than you love God. Oh, Brother Shutter, uh, <clears throat> uh, we did this uh, when we, ba- we did the baby dedication when our child, yeah, yeah, yeah. But your child's 15 now. And your child has crawled off that off altar, and it's been a long time since you put that child back on that. Well, we did that when they were little babes. Yeah, I know you did, and I know you meant it. But you know what? We have a tendency to say, you know what, Lord? It becomes yours, doesn't it? I'm going to ask some dads to come down to the altar today. The altar. And sacrifice anew and afresh and offer anew and afresh your child to the Lord. And say, dear God, I need to be the archer that you want me to be. I need to start taking. It's, it's difficult. we got some difficult dynamics in our family. Maybe it's health. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's spiritual battles with your children. You need to come down and say, God, they're yours. God, I cannot do this. We cannot alter. And Lord, it may be that you're doing something in my own life through my children. But Lord, I willingly offer my children and my family to you. Maybe you need to grab a hold of a mom, your wife, and come down and afresh and new say, God, they're yours. Hey, you know what? We didn't mention anything about this, children. But there's some children in here, some teenagers in here that are really causing heartache to their parents. Maybe you need to come down to an altar and say, dear God, I surrender my life. And Lord, I give you my, you know, Isaac could have beaten up Abraham. Did you ever think about that? Isaac was a teenager. He could have said, dad, this ain't happening. Isaac surrendered to his dad. Some of you children in here have never surrendered to your parents and trust God for what he would do. Maybe there's some in here today that would just say, Brother Shetler, I don't think I can do this parenting thing. No, you cannot. God will provide. You take your step of faith. And maybe some of you would like to offer your child to ministry. And not have your oh they're going to take the they're going to take the family farm they're going to, they're going to take this they're they're going to do this we got it all planned out oh well maybe you ought to give your child over to God and see what God wants to do with your child but I just believe your pastor hasn't preached much at this church in the last, and he's dying to preach but I believe God had me here for a reason and I believe that there may be some that just need to come down to this altar today and say dear God. We uh, renew our vows to you with our children. God, I need to start being the dad that you want me to be, the man that you want me to be. And my friend, if you're here today and you've never asked Christ to be your Savior, 
would you be willing to come down and become part of the family of God? I'd like to have us all stand to our feet, if you would stand, if you'd all stand. In just a moment, the piano's going to begin to play. God spoke to your heart, Dad. Be a man. Take some initiative and say, you know what? We're going down, honey. We're going to pray. We're going to give our kids to the Lord again. And they're His. And I want to be the right steward. I want to be the right archer. I want my arrows to arrive at the will of God. Father, afresh and anew, we dedicate it to you. God spoke to your heart today, Dad. Grandpa, some of you grandmas and grandpas also have been struggling with things you got to trust God for. And you know what? Tests never end. Abraham's 120 offering his son. Let me encourage you. God spoke to your heart in an area of your parenting, grandparenting, or the area of your walk with him. There's teenagers in here that need to surrender something you're holding on to that you love. God spoke to your heart. And maybe there's someone here that's never trusted Christ. You are not in the family of God until you trust the Son. God spoke to your heart. Would you come as the piano begins to play? Would you come? Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Dad, you take the leadership. Praise the Lord for these coming. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. You come. Some are still coming. Praise the Lord. Yes. Before we dismiss...